Revelation chapter 3 in the Scriptures uh, this evening. And I want to read a passage of Scripture that is very familiar to many, and yet at times I think we uh, make a proper application, but we lose the interpretation, and we have in, in times wrested it from its context. And I think tonight as we consider this, uh, it will help us for just a little bit here. And in Revelation chapter 3, the Bible says in verse number 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that tonight you would speak to the need of every heart. Fill me with thy Holy Spirit. Lord, please be glorified here through this message. And Lord, I pray that we might all somehow be drawn closer to Thee through these moments together. For this I pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight I want to bring you a, a message entitled, No Reason to Answer. No Reason to Answer. Revelation chapter 3 contains the final of seven letters that have been written to the seven churches in Asia Minor. These letters written to the seven churches are representative of an address given to those in seven periods of church history. And these churches each represent a period in church history from the time of Jesus all the way into the present. The ending of the letter that we have read tonight was addressed to the church in Laodicea, which represents the, the final church age, and that is the period of time in which we are living and ministering. It was written to the church, the church in Laodicea. The fact is that so often when we read verse number 20, we assign that to the, the gospel message. We're talking to children, it seems like at times, and saying that Jesus is knocking on your heart's door. And perhaps many of you are like me, and at some point in your young life you had a Bible with pictures in it or pictures on it. I can remember I had a, a Bible uh, that had a zipper. I, I, I don't have it any longer. At some point as a child, it had a zipper on it. And, and on the cover was a picture of Jesus, and He was standing at a door, and He was knocking on the door. And of course, that is, uh, in a metaphoric sense, the Lord knocking on the door of our hearts. And that's how so many have uh, applied this, this verse of Scripture, that the Lord is knocking on your heart, and will you let Him come in and be your Savior? And we do no disservice to this passage in making such an application. But that is not the interpretation of this passage. For this is being addressed to a church body. It's being addressed to a people in a period of time. 
it's not per se being addressed to an individual person into whose heart Jesus wants to come and become their Savior, though we can make that application. This is really indicative of a church that has closed off the door to their heart and life, to the leadership of the Lord. And as we consider the chapter, we understand that it is because they have come to the place where they believe that they have everything that they need. They are rich and increased with goods, and it comes to the point where they believe that they have need of nothing. They have need of nothing. And so, when the Lord comes to call and to lead them into all of His goodwill for their church, they really see no reason to answer when He bids them come to the door. I believe that there are many times in the Word of God where we see that people were so occupied with their lives and with what was going on that when the Lord had need of them or had need of something that they could provide for His use, it was not available to Him. They were content with where they were. They didn't see any reason to answer the call of the Lord or to answer the knocking of the Lord. And here we find was the case in Laodicea for these people, as we see in verse 17, Thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. Someone's at the door. It's okay. They probably want something. Just let them go. It'll be all right. And sometimes I think when the Lord comes calling, we find no good reason to answer because we are content with where we are, though the Lord is calling us to something more. Though the Lord may be drawing us closer to Himself, we we find no real sense of urgency to answer the door. We find no real sense of uh, compulsion to to go. And, you know, we're living in a day today where there are so many spam telephone calls that, you know, when the phone rings, we don't jump and run to grab it, do we? Uh, Not many people have landlines any longer. Uh, There are still some that do. And, and, uh, you know, when that landline rings, you know what most people do? They let the answering machine get it. There's no sense of urgency to jump up and run to grab the telephone. And uh, we're, we're not thinking it's grandma calling, it's not mama calling, it's not the kids calling. Uh, we're pretty content and sure that it's not going to be anything that requires any sense of urgency or any great reason to jump and answer. And you know, such is the case nowadays, really, when the doorbell rings very often, uh, we don't feel any sense of real urgency to jump up and go answer the door because about 50% of the time we think it's going to be um, someone doing a census, someone handing out sales material, it's a solar salesman, uh, maybe uh, it's the Amazon man delivering a package. We're, we're just not quite sure, but we're pretty sure it's not significant enough that we need to leave the comforts of the sofa 
and answer the door. And you know, I got to tell you something, that is really a picture, if you would, of the day in which we live. The church of Laodicea's church age is really on full display in our world today that there are many who find no real reason to answer the bidding of Jesus, for they are content with where they are. They are comfortable with what they have, and until they have some greater need that is beyond their physical means to provide for, they don't know why they need to get off the sofa and answer the door. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And the word behold means, would you look and see? Would you take a look and, and know and see with your heart that I'm standing at the door. The problem is that we're not willing even to behold the image of God wooing and calling us to answer His bidding. He said, if any man will hear my voice and will open the door, I will come into him. You see, the Lord is, is he's knocking and He's calling is anyone there? Will you open the door? I want to come in. There's more of a sense of urgency. Now, when we call on the homes of folks in our community and we invite them to church, typically we knock on the door and we wait for an answer, don't we? But do you know, if you called your dear friend who was at home sick, and they didn't answer the phone. You kept calling and you called others to see if they had heard from them. And, and you went to their home to, to do a welfare check. Would you just knock on the door and step back and wait for someone to come? And if no one answered, you'd turn around and go home? No, you'd knock on, Joe, are you in there? Joe, Joe, it's smart. Joe! Joe, can you hear me? Let me in, man. Hey. You see, the Lord wasn't just knocking. He was calling. He said, if any man would hear my voice and would open the door, it was something important, something that the Lord was calling upon us to do. And yet, sad to say, there are too many that find no reason to leave their place of comfort and answer the door. Albeit, the Lord is calling. I think about the fact that throughout many times in the Bible, there were those that really didn't have properly aligned values so that when the Lord called upon them, they were not available to what He had need of. We find in the book of Luke, of course, in chapter 2, we find the narrative of the birth of Jesus. And the Bible tells us clearly, she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. You see, many find no reason to answer, but we just don't have room in our lives for the Lord that comes to call. We, 
We've got full lives. We, you see, are involved in the kids' sports leagues, and we're involved in all of their various pursuits, and we're taken up with our career path, and we're vested in trying to prepare for retirement, and we're uh, trying to keep ourselves in health, and we've got to go to the gym, and we've got to do this therapy, and that doctor's appointment, and, and go to this store, and do this, and, and that, and we're working on this degree, and working on that program, and the fact is that when the Lord comes and desires to be more more formed in us, even as He was uh, being formed in the womb of Mary and would be fully formed that day and come forth into this world, there was no room in the end for Jesus despite the fact that there was an imminent request, there was a desperate need, and that notwithstanding, there was no room. Now, I understand many want to uh, somehow commend the innkeeper for the fact that despite it was a time of the census and it was difficult, there were many that had come to Bethlehem and, and there was really no rooms anywhere and it was late and he was kind enough to give them a place in the stable with the animals, yet nevertheless, <coughs> there was no one there who was willing to say, you know, I'll give up my place. I'll give up my room in the inn. This is important. This is more urgent. This is something that would necessitate me responding. There was only the offer of a place with the animals in a stable. And oftentimes, as we take inventory of our lives and the Lord comes calling for us, to move outside of our comfort zones and to answer the call of God as He knocks and as He, as he calls for us to come and open the door and allow Him access into our lives and to allow Him to do all that He desires to do with us and, and in us. He's calling to us and yet we don't feel a sense of urgency, no real reason to answer that call. No real reason to step outside of the, the comfort zone. After all, the, the stable is comfortable enough. Sometimes people that are involved in church work, uh, and, and for a long time they've, they've been just struggling to make ends meet, and when uh, the time comes to make advances in ministry and to, and to step up and to contribute to the work of the Lord to do more to reach the masses with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we become pragmatic in the way we look at the work of the Lord and we see no real sense of urgency to, to do anything in the work of the Lord. After all, we've got other things going on. What's the matter with these chairs? They're comfortable. I, they've, they've served us pretty good for 20 years. Maybe they'll last 20 more. And the fact is that people start to get a mindset that really, I don't have any room in my thought processes or in my heart or in my value system for doing anything more for God because I'm at a comfortable place. And although it sounds like there's something going on that would necessitate a little greater degree of urgency and me rearranging some things to allow some more room for God in my life, I'm pretty content with where I'm at and all the things I've got going on. And so 
so I really don't have the room in my schedule. I really don't have the room in my budget. I really don't have the room in my family. I really don't have the room in my life right now for the Lord who's come calling. We're really busy. There have been times where I've had uh, people that have uh, come into town and, and uh, they, sometimes they'll come in and, and uh, hey, hey, listen, I'm coming through town. Uh, can, I, can I crash at your place? And, and normally that's just a given. I mean, our house is like a little commune about most of the time. There's uh, probably rarely a night that we don't have somebody staying over. And, and uh, yet there are times where maybe it's the holidays and, and all the kids are in and the grandkids are in and we'll say, man, you, you're welcome to find a little space on the floor somewhere because, man, we got bodies everywhere and there's not quite any room right now and you know just as there was no room found in the end for a woman in the pains of labor to bring forth the only begotten son of God sometimes we lose the sense of urgency in our own lives and we see no real reason to answer when God comes calling because we're comfortable because we've got full and busy lives because we have obligations and uh, you know we just begin to tune it out before long we become impervious in our spirit to the promptings at the door because we have no real reason that we can find to answer it. You see, in Bethlehem, they had no room. And what we find is that the Bible tells us in John chapter 1 and verse number 11, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. So in Bethlehem, there was no room. And in Israel, there was no reception. You see, Jesus came to His own people, and they received Him not. There was no place of welcome or honor when Jesus came unto them to show Himself to be their Messiah and God their Savior. And the sad reality is that today there are many that Jesus has come to save and He is in a metaphoric sense knocking at the door of their hearts even as we made application of that passage in Revelation just a little while ago. And we find no place because we're busy, we have full lives, we have things to do, and, and we'll get around to it eventually. And so when the Lord comes, we do not give Him the honor of a reception. We just say, hold on a minute, I'm not ready yet. Hold on a minute, I'll be there when I have a second, and we leave the Lord on the porch. You see, the Jews received Him not. 
But he still says, as many as will receive me, to them I'll give the authority to become my children. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to those that believe on his name. Even to them that believe on his name. So there are many that the Lord is making a request to come in, but there's no place of reception. No honor given to to the one that comes as Savior. No place of reception. It's sad to me today. I believe that this time of shutdown, as difficult as it has been on our country because of COVID-19, I think it has been more devastating to Christianity. And although I read many articles that are put out by Christian periodicals that are trying to uh, put things in a more positive light and talk about how that many churches that were in the dark ages about technology have come out of the dark ages and now we're able to, to technologically reach more people and that more people are tuning in and watching things online. But my friends, I'm going to tell you something. I'm grateful for every person that we have the opportunity to minister to by means of the internet. But do you know what? There comes a point in time in your life where you need a friend and not just a a place to log on. You need someone that's going to plug into you. Someone that's going to pray with you. Someone that's going to get to know you. Someone that's going to be a help to you. When you have to move. Or when you go in for surgery. You need someone to take you to the hospital. Or when you are home from surgery and you need somebody to mow your grass. Or you need a ride to church because the doctor said you can't drive for a month. And and uh, and what are you going to do then? Just sit home and, and, and call Uber Eats and hope that Walmart will deliver and you'll log on and sit home and become a hermit? Listen, the, the Bible doesn't say sit still and hope that someone will come by. It says go into all the world. And God never called us to sit home and be lone wolves in the economy of God. He called us together in something called church, which means assembly, which means that God intends for His people to assemble together. And although I'm thankful that we can do this remotely, and I'm glad that there are folks that are watching us tonight, and I have no doubt that at my home right now there are folks gathered around, sitting on the sofa, and with a Bible, and, and watching uh, uh, their dad, their husband, their granddad, uh, preach from, the, from their church pulpit. And I know that there are others around the country, and some in other countries of the world, that are watching, and I'm grateful to the Lord for that. But did you know that God's plan is still for God's people to get together? I'm grateful that we are high-tech, but listen, I believe God wants us to be high-touch. He wants us to get together and shake one another's hands when it's uh, socially uh, deemed appropriate to be able to do so, I guess. And uh, this this morning I was uh, standing out in the courtyard and, and I heard some people uh, that were socially distanced talking and they said, you know, I really miss having the opportunity to give you a hug and I just want you to know how much I love you. And you know, I, I, I can never minimize how important it is for so many people. We have, we have widows and widowers in our church that long to come to church and the only physical touch that they ever get 
is the warmth of a hug or an embrace or a handshake from somebody at their church family. Folks, I'm just simply saying that sometimes there are folks that content themselves with those that live at their house and feel like the rest of it is all just discretionary, as though somehow God made a mistake in planning this whole concept of church without the awareness that there might be a global pandemic. I'm just simply saying that we can get so wrapped up in our social responsibility and all of our self-justification for not coming into the house of the Lord that we have no place to receive the Lord in our life. That we find no room to be moved outside of our comfort zone in the interest of God's will being accomplished in us and with us and then through us. The truth is, although the people of Israel did not find room to receive Jesus, He had room for them. He said, I'm still making the invitation. Whosoever will, you may come. There are some that won't, but they're not receiving me, but whosoever will. You see, His arms are wide open. He remains at the door. He doesn't stop knocking. He, he won't stop calling. There may come a point in time. Because he said, my spirit will not always strive with man. Where the Lord will stop knocking. Because for that final time, you've hardened your heart against it. And so the Lord will let you have your way. He's not going to force His way in. You see, behold, he said, I stand at the door. He didn't say, I'm trying to batter the door down. He didn't say, I'm going to make a forced entry. We have to let him in. And so there was no room in Bethlehem and there was no reception in Israel. The sad thing is that there was no repentance in Laodicea. The Bible says in verse number 19, As many as I love, I rebuke. You see now, many of these were the children of God because this is a beautiful picture of what we find in Hebrews chapter number 12 about the Lord chastening His children. He said, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And here he said, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. So these are those that had at some point called upon his name. And what he says is, Be zealous therefore and repent. Turn around. Have a change of heart and mind. But do you know, we are kind of comfortable with where we are in our life and we we just find no reason to have to get off the sofa and answer the door because we're okay. And although we are in a place of spiritual lukewarmness, we do not have a passion 
sufficient enough to engage what God would have us do through the ministry of a local church and to reach our world and do all that we can to reach our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know perhaps in our heart there's more that we could do or more even that we should do, but we're just, we're otherwise occupied. We're, we're busy and you see, uh, I don't really, I really don't see a need to get up and answer the door right now. There's no change of heart, no change of mind. And so the Savior stands And He invites us to commune with Him. To give Him access into every part of our life that He may be Lord thereof in every respect. He stands knocking. And what we discover is this, that though the Lord called them to answer the door, the sad thing is, only a very small remnant of folks in this church age would do so. No repentance. Do you know that the Bible indicates that in the last days there would be more preachers of false doctrine than there would be preachers of truth? That there would be more people that would choose to walk the broad way that leadeth to destruction than to walk that straight and narrow way that leadeth unto life everlasting. And did you know that even in a good Bible-believing church, that if you are sold out for Jesus Christ, that even there you will be in a minority of people? Because there are very few people that want to change the way that they're living Although the Lord is knocking and He is calling and there is a sense of urgency because the sands of time are ebbing away and the opportunity to serve Him and invest in things eternal are going away and they'll never again be reclaimed once lost. No repentance. I find that the Bible says something interesting in 1 Peter chapter number 1. And I want to, as I draw this service to a conclusion, just read a couple of verses here in 1 Peter 1 and verse 18. And here's a verse that if you've been in church for long, you perhaps have memorized. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, such as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, we have been redeemed not because of anything that we have given or because of anything that we possess or anything that we have done, but we are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. But what some are trying to find redemption by is what they have of this world's goods that they feel that they can give. And I want you to know that this world, and many even who name the name of Jesus, 
are investing in the things that are not redemptive. They will not count for anything in eternity. The truth is that there are many that God is calling in a church, just as He did the people in Laodicea, to come and answer the door and to fellowship with Him and let Him lead you as your Lord to wherever His will may direct. And yet, we are content not to answer. We find no reason to answer. And so, we, we are investing in the things of this world which are not redemptive. And sometimes we hear it and we feel a little guilty. And so we, what we do is we send the kids to the door with a $10 bill to buy a box of Girl Scout cookies. And we patronize the Lord of glory. As though somehow we can buy off the Lord by just sending in a tithe or just offering up a prayer or sending an email. And folks, listen, I don't minimize the need for God's people to contribute to the work. I don't minimize the need for God's people to pray. But my friends, I want to tell you something. That is no substitute for you. God wants you, not just what you have, He wants you. When God called Abraham to go up to Mount Moriah and there offer his son Isaac upon the altar of sacrifice, we know the story how that Isaac said, here is the the wood, and and here's the fire, but where is the lamb? And, And Abraham said, God will provide Himself a lamb. And we know that in that final moment, as Abraham would have plunged the dagger through the heart of his very son in obedience to the Lord, the Lord provided a a lamb as a picture of Jesus that would one day come as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And what we discover there is that God did not really want Isaac, the life of Isaac, what He was calling for was the heart of of Abraham. He didn't want what Abraham could give. He wanted Abraham. And at that moment, he knew he had his heart. He knew he had all of him. Friends, there's no real redemption in the things of this world. And we cannot somehow imagine to be redemptive by refusing to come ourselves and sending a little token to mollify our conscience. Our wealth and our possessions can never make room for us in heaven. You see, only God may redeem us eternally through His finished work. And if we who have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ hear the Lord knocking and calling to us, will we continue to vest our lives in that which will never eternally be redemptive? 
We'll never make a, a difference in eternity. And we try to somehow patronize the Lord of glory with our worldly possessions when what God actually wants is our life. He wants us. So we make our plans. We go our way. And then we try to fit a little Jesus in around the plans that we have made. And the fact is, the Bible is powerful. The Lord in the words written in red is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is the Lord Jesus speaking. Would you look and see that I'm standing at the door? We have, perhaps like many of you at our house, one of those cameras on our doorbell. And when someone comes to the door and rings the bell, it sends a message to the cell phone. And we can go on the cell phone and we can see who's standing at the door. Who's ringing the doorbell. We can even talk back to them. Fact is, the Lord says, would you look and see that I'm standing here? Would you see that I'm knocking? Would you listen to the fact that I'm calling out to you? And, and then, would you not feel as though you have no real reason to answer? Would you actually give me a reception? Would you turn away from the way that you've been living? Repent. Would you answer the door? And would you let me come in and do everything with you and for you and in you and then through you that I so desire? Or are we still at the place where there's no reason to answer? Or are we still saying, we have a pandemic going on here. We have to be more careful. Folks, while we're looking out for ourselves, we're not looking out for the Lord. While we're looking out for ourselves, we're not looking out for the Lord. And He's standing at the door. He's knocking. The question is, will you hear His voice? And will you answer the door? Or is there still no reason to answer? I believe that we need to understand that this is a verse written to believers. Maybe you're a person who's been saved and you've just got a full and a busy life. You're finding it really tough just to carve out any measure of time for the Lord. Maybe you're too busy. Maybe there's something that you need to give up that you think is important that is not as important as what God has for you. You see, there was 
no room in Bethlehem for Jesus. There was no reception in Israel. There was no repentance in Laodicea. And there was no redemption in this world. But God is calling upon you, speaking to every heart. He's knocking and He's calling. There's a sense of urgency here. We're in the very last period of church history. In the very last days of the last period of church history. He's not just knocking, He's knocking and calling. The question is, what will you do? Will you answer the door? Let Him in to lead you wherever His will may appoint? Or will you be like so many and feel like there's no reason to answer? Tonight, the world is dying in sin. That's a pretty good reason to get off the sofa. Tonight, there are families in peril. Children and grandchildren that do not know Jesus. That's a mighty good reason to get off the sofa. He's knocking. He's calling. What are you going to do? Lord, we thank You tonight for the Word and for how it teaches us. Lord, I pray that as we consider this truth that we would not find a place of comfort and feel as though there's no real reason just to get up off the sofa and respond to the promptings of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we might see that there is a need and that we are in the final moments of the final period of time before the rapture of the church. Lord, may we find room for the Savior. May we give Him the reception, the honor that is due Him. May we turn around and no longer harden our hearts. May we let Him in in repentance. And then may we love and serve the One who redeemed us with His precious blood by living out our days redemptively for Him. Lord, help us how we need Thee. For this we plead in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us tonight for this time in the Word. I want to just say a, a brief word to those that may be watching that you're not really certain that if you died tonight that you'd go to heaven. And if that's you, I want you to know that the Gospel tells us that Jesus loves you. That's the good news. That He wants to spend forever in heaven with you. And although now you do not have the comfort of knowing that heaven is yours, the Bible was given to us so that we could know. For the Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So God wants you to know it and not doubt it. And so how we can know it is this, to first of all agree with what God says about all of us. We're all sinners. There's none righteous. No, not one. 
For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us is perfect and all of us are sinners. And the Bible tells us that we can't even uh, turn over a new leaf and change those dynamics because we've been born into sin and so we cannot change who we are. We are sinners by birth and we are sinners by choice. And there's a penalty for sin. The wages of sin is death. That death is separation from God. Just as physical death is separation of the spirit from the body, so too there is a second death that the Bible teaches of that is a separation from God in heaven, being sent to a place of eternal suffering for sin in hell. That's death. That's what we deserve. But the good news is that God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Jesus loved you so much, He didn't want you to go to hell. So He came to this earth and He lived a perfect life. And He died on the cross to pay the price for your sin and mine. He was buried and He rose again after three days in the grave, proving that He is indeed God and that He is mighty to save you. And He now offers forgiveness through His shed blood and eternal life in heaven through His resurrection power. And my friends, I want you to know that it can be yours tonight if you simply believe that you cannot save yourself and you dispel yourself of that notion. That's what we call repentance. And if you come to Jesus confessing that He's the only one that can cleanse you of all sin and give you a home eternal in heaven with Him, if tonight you believe that, He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means anyone that asks Him for that forgiveness and salvation, He's promised that He would give it. If that's your desire tonight, to know that heaven is yours, and you're willing to, to say, I believe the gospel as you have shared it, then I want you to pray along with me in a moment as I pray what we often call the sinner's prayer. Now, my prayer alone could never save you. But if the words of this prayer reflect the desire of your heart, then you make it your prayer to God. And He will hear. And He will answer your prayer. And so tonight, if you believe that Jesus is the only hope that you have, I invite you right now to pray along with me as I pray this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess... Lord God, that I'm a sinner. And I realize that I cannot save myself. I now invite Jesus into my heart and into my life to forgive me of all of my sins and to save me so that I may spend forever in heaven with God. Lord, thank You for dying on the cross. I believe that You died for me and were buried in you rose again to give me everlasting life with You in heaven. I now receive it by trusting You alone and not myself any longer. Thank You, Lord, for saving me. Enable me to live for Thee. For this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My friend, if you prayed that prayer, on the authority of God's Word, you're saved. Heaven is your home, and you're now in God's hand, never to be removed. 
never again to be lost from heaven and salvation. You're now eternally saved. If you made that decision, we want you to give us a call or send us an email. You can find our information at whatever site you're on or go to freewaybaptist.org. You'll find it there. We want to send you a Bible and give you some information to be a help to you and to let you know that you've made the greatest decision that a person may ever make in their life. And so congratulations to you. And we would love to be a help through these days to you and to anyone that has a similar need. Thank you.